know what is it that I'm I'm davening for. Right so that's now. that's a good that's a good thing. You're certainly doing a good I practice. I want to thank everybody for coming. Uh, it's uh, it's good to start another series. I'm looking forward to learning together with people. I, I wrote on the uh, on the post or whatever that I gone out that this would be a five part series. Uh, it's my anticipation. Hopefully, if people want it, just uh, in in preparing the wealth of material that surrounds Tehillim, the the amount of stuff that there is to talk about is virtually endless, like most other things in Torah. Uh, but we'll see how this goes. The 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 plan is is to spend at least my idea is to spend the first year or shiurim uh, on the background, like the, that's the heavy lifting text study that we're going to do. And then the goal is to move towards individual mizmore tehillim. I have about 30 different psalms that, uh, that I've prepared. Um, some of them well-known, some of them less well-known, but, uh, but that, the goal, uh, Irene, I think you said it well, the goal is, is a practical goal at the end. Uh, and I, and I'm, I'll talk about that in my introduction also. A few things. So why Tehillim? Um, why Tehillim and what's the purpose of Tehillim? Why did we choose to focus on Tehillim? So, uh, so I, Tehillim are ubiquitous. They're everywhere, uh, especially in our uh, tefillot. I'll just list uh, right off the bat seven places uh, that Tehillim are, first, are primary uh, movers in our tefillah. The first is that we say the Shir Shalyom. Uh, at the conclusion of tefillah every day, we, say, we sing a psalm. I'll use the word psalm. I'll explain where that word comes from in a moment. Uh, we say a psalm every day, a psalm for a particular day. Uh, we have also Psuke de Zimra that we say during weekday davening. Psuke de Zimra are, uh, are, form the bulk of Shachris leading up to Shman Shmona Esrei, uh, a collection of Tehillim. And then there's an additional, uh, one or two are left out, there's an additional battery of Tehillim that we say on Shabbos and Yom Tov as part of Psuke de Zimra for Shabbos and Yom Tov. We also have Kabbalah Shabbos, uh, which is a, a prayer service, uh, if you could call it that, that's entirely comprised of Tehillim, uh, save for, uh, for Lecha Dodi, which is like a kind of psalm in its own right, uh, even though it was written much, much later. Uh, we also have Hallel on Rosh Chodesh and on uh, Chagim uh, and Chanukah as well. We recite Hallel, which is comprised of Tehillim. And then there's also Shir Hamalot, which historically uh, refers to, not historically, still nowadays, refers to 15, a collection of 15 psalms that begin with the word Shir Hamalot. Uh, historically, they were sung uh, in different occasions. We know that the Ole Laregel, the Jews, when they would go up, to Yerushalayim from, uh, from the surrounding areas in Israel in the times of the Beis HaMikdash. So they would sing these songs, Shir Lamalot, the Song of Ascents, as they would ascend to the Beit HaMikdash for Aliyah Laregel. Uh, some people also say that when people would immerse themselves, when pilgrims would immerse themselves in the Siloam, Meha uh, Shiloach, which if you've ever done Chizkiyahu's tunnels, that's where you come out at the end. Um, the Shiloach, when they would come up from that after having ritually immersed, on their way up to the Beit HaMikdash, so they would sing as well. It also corresponds to the 15 steps that were that led to the inner courtyard of the Beit Hamikdash, where the Levium, where the Duchan, where the um, what's a good word for the uh, the dais, I guess, is the word that we would use for the platform that the Levium would sing on. Uh, so the 15 steps would be located over there. And then the final area where we find Tehillim in their ubiquity is in modern song. And I'm not just referring to Jewish song, but really uh, all of music. Um, I, I, will, I, I consider Leonard Cohen a, a Jewish singer, but everybody's familiar with his Hallelujah. That's a, quite a famous song, but that's not the only one. Uh, much of song, contemporary song, Jewish song, uh, has turned towards Psalms, Tehillim, in order to find its inspiration and to find its rubric and, and to take off the words from it. So we find Tehillim... Uh, 
all over in these seven places, but in other areas as well. Just one moment, I'll take your question in a second. Um, but Tilim also take uh, an enormous place in our in our daily supplications. Uh, their added tefillot that people say, or even on my way here, uh, I have a few Tilim, not many, that I've committed to memory that I could say whenever I want. And on the way here, davening that this should be a good cheer, that this should not be a waste of people's time, that this should be a learning experience. So I sing uh, to myself at least my favorite of Tilim Mizmor David, Adonai Roi Lo Echsar, Ben Ozdeshi Arbitseni, so, so I sing that as part of a prayer. If I'm, I, I'm not going to say Shmon Esrei as I'm walking here from MDS, but I, but I do have Tehillim. Uh, and that's uh, whether you're looking for a parking spot and you're saying Tehillim, or you're Lo uh, Aleinu, you're sitting at, at, at the edge of a hospital bed saying Tehillim. Tehillim are, are, are the, I would say, the central component nowadays of how we dialogue or look for dialogue with God and find our own words and the model for our dialogue with God. And, and that's all to say why Tehillim, because I think that it's worth, uh, it's worth thinking about and learning about these things uh, because the applications are endless for our, for our own practice of Judaism, whether it's daily tefillah or whether it's in our own personal conversations with God, Tehillim are constantly present. Uh, what is Tehillim? Tehillim are, uh, is, oh, I'm sorry, Actually, I skipped your question. Oh, okay, fine, I will. Uh, so Tehillim, Tehillim is uh, the, first, uh, the first book uh, in, we have 24 books of uh, Tanakh in the Jewish canon, and the first book of Ketuvim, they're split across three Torah Nevi'im Ketuvim. So the first of the Ketuvim, of the writings as it's translated, is, is Tehillim. Um, and uh, we were talking before, uh, somebody said that uh, they never taught Tehillim in school, and I think that's for very good reason. Tehillim is quite difficult. Uh, the language is, in many cases, sui generis. Throughout Tanakh, we're going to learn about uh, certain words. I have to just drop this because in every intro to Bible class in YU, you learn the Latin word hapax legomenon, which means it's a word that appears once in scripture. There are many words like that, or or maybe sparingly used elsewhere in scripture, Tillam as its own language. It's also part of what our Chachamim have called Sifrei Emet. Sifrei Emet, uh, which word means truth, Sifrei Emet stands for Eov, Mishle, and Tehillim. Uh, Eov is Job, Mishle is Proverbs, and Tehillim is Psalms. Those three Sfarim are unique from all the Sfarim in, in all of the Tanakh because they actually have different Ta'amim. The, the trup is different for them. The trup means different things uh, for them, which is not the same as the rest of Tanakh, as the rest of Tanakh. Also, Tehillim is unique in that the way that it's written in our old manuscripts, we find it like this. It's written as a, in poetic verse. It's written line by line, uh, familiar to us maybe from Az Yashir or Shirat HaAzinu, uh, but, but really, uh, but really uh, not, that, not that found anywhere else in Tanakh. So Tehillim is unique. Uh, Mishle and Tehillim are their own uh, uh, Mishle and Eov are their own challenges. I, we tried to learn uh, Eov with uh, uh, some Chevra in Shul a few years ago, and uh, we, we, I say we, we, we nearly gave up. We ended up giving up when they moved out of the city, but we very nearly gave up because even in translation, Eov is notoriously difficult. The Psukim have unique structures, unique word usages, uh, a very, very elevated and difficult to understand. And Mishle Proverbs is, uh, is meant to be cryptic. It's meant to be all-encompassing. And uh, that's what led to the abstruse and abstract language which is used in Mishle, uh, very hard to understand. So in the Sifreyamet, Tehillim is the one that we're going to be focusing on. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, it's not always the case that 
Tehillim is the first in Ketuvim in the order of Sifrei Tanakh. We have a Gemara in Bava Basra and Daf Yudal at Amid Beis, which we're going to return to. And the Gemara there says that actually the first uh, in the order of Ketuvim is, is uh, Migilat Rut, uh, which would make sense at least chronologically because Rut is the great-grandmother of David HaMelech, so maybe Rut is the one who essentially engendered the writing of Tehillim or engendered this person, David HaMelech, who would be the one who would go on to write Tehillim. Uh, the next thing is that the number of Psalms itself uh, in, our, in our books is 150 psalms. They're self-contained units. Each of them forms a chapter, um, and they're split into five books. We're going to talk a little bit more about what that means, five books of Tehillim a little bit later. Uh, there's also uh, Tehillim are split up according to days of week as well for people who recite them ritually. Uh, some people have the custom to finish Tehillim. Apparently, we have testimonies uh, of Yerushalayim at the turn of the last century that there were groups uh, in, in, in special Bate Knisiot, Chavr um, Tehillim they were called, who would, who would say, who would wake up extremely early and say the entire Sefer Tehillim every single day. Uh, but some people have the custom to finish Tehillim throughout the week or even to go ahead and to finish Tehillim on a monthly basis, most uh, modern Tehillim that are printed nowadays do have uh, hi, do have the uh, do have the chiluk, do have the division of them in order to be used. And all this is 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 driving towards a central point uh, that I want to talk about in two moments. Is Tehillim is not just a regular work of scripture to be studied, but it's also a tool. It's also something that we're that we're supposed to use. It has it's considered efficacious in certain respects, and I want to talk a little bit more about that in a second. Um, but it, the word Tehillim was translated in Greek in the early translations to Psalmoi, uh, which is where we get the word psalms from, but in modern Hebrew, it's where we get, uh, for example, the word pismon, you know, like uh, you may, like uh, the chorus, or uh, psanter, piano, uh, those come from the Greek word psalmoi, which is the translation of Tilim. so each individual uh, chapter of Tilim, each of the 150, so that's going to be called, the general term is going to be called mizmor, that's going to be called the, a psalm, or, or a uh, uh, or a chapter of Tehillim, a capital, uh, as, as people like to say. When I say that Tehillim is a tool, uh, I mean that, um, that Tehillim, the more you study and you learn it, uh, that Tehillim is filled with all sorts of indications that it wasn't just something that we're supposed to study or a prophecy that was meant to be given over to people as a prophecy that was meant to be used. Primary usage of Tehillim was through song, which is why we find so many unique languages and so many unique phrasings and words in Tehillim that correspond to singing notes. We have, for example, the type of instruments that are meant to be used. We have entire psalms that detail all the different instruments in the uh, temple orchestra, for example. Uh, we have have musical notation that's listed in Tehillim. Uh, what kind of octave, the eighth octave that we're supposed to be looking for. Uh, what kind of accompaniment, what kind of a choir will be singing along with it, and even what kind of a cadence uh, we're supposed to be having along with the, with the Tehillim. Unfortunately, um, nowadays, uh, much, of, much of the secrets of how Tehillim, even the tune itself, has been lost to us with the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash. It's also clear to me, uh, as based on what, what I've read, is that Tehillim was considered an avoda. It was considered a service in the temple. The Kohanim, uh, we say this in our prayers. This is borne out in our prayers. We'll say on Rosh Chodesh, The Kohanim, we say, should be returned back. God should build the Beis HaMikdash, which returns speedily in our days, and the Kohanim would be returned to offering the sacrifices, whatever form those sacrifices will take in the third beat Tamikdash, but also the Levim B'duchanam, the Levim standing on their platform, on their dais, and singing was, was an 
integral part of the service done in the Beit HaMikdash. It was, it was something that was lost, which is why many of the words and the translations of some of the words in Tilim are, are, are lost to us, unfortunately. That, that doesn't mean that people haven't tried very much to go ahead and recover as much as possible. There's some amazing scholarly work that's, that's been done to try and figure out what exactly words like Sela mean or Laminatseach for the conductor. Uh, some of these words are virtually untranslatable. Uh, hallelujah, for example, the Gemara on Bava Basra Daf Yudal, it has a whole discussion prior to introducing the work of Tehillim to us as to what exactly this word Hallelujah means. What, what exactly uh, is the significance of this word which is repeated again and again throughout Tehillim has become a byword for praise of God. And we'll talk a little bit about that in the Hemshech and the continuation of our Shir. So it is a tool uh, and, and, and we know that it historically has been used as a tool. I'll give you an example. We have a, a book. Um, it's attributed to Rav Hai Gaon, uh, one of the, from the period of the Gaonim, it's, a, it's, it's dated to the 8th or 9th century CE. Uh, it's called Shemush Tehillim, uh, usage of Tehillim. Shemush Tehillim was a book of Kabbalah Ma'asit, of practical Kabbalah, and it said for each and every psalm, you could, you could find it nowadays, like if you email me, I'll give you a link to it, uh, you could, uh, freely available online. Shemesh Tehillim was this work that said how each and every psalm of Tehillim should be used. What particular occasion? Uh, which psalms are efficacious for illness, God forbid? Which songs are efficacious for a person seeking hatzlacha, financial success or success in work? Which Tehillim, for example, are meant to be said for a, a woman that's pregnant or somebody that's just given birth? Uh, all of these Tehillim uh, have specific uses. So that's what I mean when I say that Tehillim are meant to be used as a tool. Uh, far more prominent or far more present in, in at least my own life, uh, we just finished talking about, and I will at the end of the class, Amir Tzashem, link up our last series of Rabbi Nachman's stories. So you can, if you learn with me, you can't get away from Rabbi Nachman. I'm just going to apologize in advance. Right? There's nothing you could do about it. Uh, I want to, I it's an important concept, that the end is the beginning, that we never really finished learning. I want to connect uh, a story of Rabbi Nachman to our discussion, study of Tehillim. But, that having been said, Rabbi Nachman Abreslov is, is very well known for many things. One of the things that Rabbi Nachman Abreslov is, is known for is just simply giving us a formula of 10 psalms to be said daily, or even more than once daily. I say them daily uh, when I can, sometimes. Uh, and, uh, and it's called the Tikkun HaKlali, the general rectification. And Rabbi Nachman intended these, this battery of 10 psalms to be used as a tool to achieve certain spiritual effects. We have other areas as well. You may have participated, um, God forbid, Loa Leinu, but it may have happened that you've participated in... Um, I mean, I'm curious if anybody's actually ever done this. Uh, if somebody is, is very ill, so they'll go ahead and say all the psalms corresponding to that person's name. And we see Tehillim being used again and again as a tool. When my husband's father was done, my husband had, has had half siblings who were quite from. That was the first time I ever saw it happen in the hospital. So, so that, is, that is one of the uses. It's, it's a tool. It's, it's something, right? It's... it's the reason I, I find this such a, an important trenchant point to make is because that Tehillim is so unique in this way, right? It, can you imagine, uh, maybe you can, if somebody was ill going out and, and somebody just like brings in, we don't read Bereshis, but it's just as holy, it's just as important. Tehillim seems to have become the, 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 the tool that we use when we want to speak to God 
in, in a realm that's outside both within our liturgy and, and, and extra liturgical purposes mm-hmm. and, and on our own personal uh, uses and situations. How I used Tick and Clully, it's how I used Ms. Mola David when looking for parking in Washington Heights and on my way to, uh, to the shear tonight that we should have a good shear, we should have a good learning opportunity. Did you get parking space? Uh, no, in the heights, never. Uh, <laughs> an important thing to say is that a tool, uh, I, I, there's a very rather low stakes way to say that, that as a tool uh, and as tefillah, we know that tefillah sometimes doesn't work in the way that we want, right? We, we sometimes, what's that? That's the problematic thing I find with tefillah in my experience. Is many, what? Many, years. Oh, someone's sick, say this tefillah. Someone's this, say this tefillah. Someone in Israel, some tragedy, say this And then the end... It was not like you shouldn't expect Tefillah to have that effect. So that's that's a very it's real, a very pal- very painful thing. If all of us are praying to heal him this, to heal him parag this, parag this, and in the end it was also nothing. Now it probably it's wasn't nothing, but it didn't have the effect that we thought it would have. I'm saying like. You know, it could have I, I, look, I accept that. I accept that very much. I refer you to Rabbi Robinson's incredible series of Shirim, uh, where he's touching upon these foundational aspects. I'll say three quick things. We are going to talk about that, um, and, and and I'll say what I wanted to say. To fill, to and our prayers are not always efficacious in the way that we want. God wanted things to be different, and and we submit ultimately as Jews. We submit uh, to God's will. That's that's what we are in this world. It's a, it, it's humbling, and it puts us in our place. Um, so, so good example of that relatively low stakes example is that you know I'm saying to him against uh, nature. Nature is you don't find parking in Washington Heights when you're coming back on a Saturday night, and you just want to make it to Seder in the morning. That's just the way it works, and you don't want to have to pay for the icon lot. But, but there are many times, and 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 this is also important for us to recognize, is that there are many times where our prayers are indeed answered. They're not answered on our timeline. I don't mean a cheap way that they're answered, but we don't know that our our, our prayers do get answered. Right, that our prayers, actually, I would say more often than not, or more often than not, because we fail to daven when things are going well. Sometimes we fail to go ahead and say to heal him with the same intensity as things go well. Uh, I, this is if this becomes another crying shir, I just apologize in advance. This isn't the Ishkoda shir. I'll give you an example. I was in front of. Um, uh, and I hope it's okay that we're deviating a little bit from the text in front of us. Uh, maybe five shirim is not enough for this. I'll give you an example of what I mean. Um, we had in Shul, I remember a call to Shul, uh, Arab Shabbos. Rabbi Robinson was not, was not here for Shabbos. Uh, there was a couple in Shul, a young couple, that was about to lose a pregnancy. Uh, and we, we had known about it, uh, and it was a pregnancy of twins. And, um, and Rabbi Robinson instructed me, he said, I think, I think before we begin uh, Kabbalah Shabbos, I think before Shabbos sets in, uh, we should probably say Tehillim uh, as a community. Because, because that was, it was at that moment that, uh, you know, some procedure is being done and we needed to find out if that procedure is good. And I opened up the Aram Kodesh um, on a Friday night, which is highly unusual. I don't think I've ever done this in eight years here, um, believe it or not. And, um, and we said Tehillim. And, um, and, and, so it happened to be that the word we got after Shabbos was that procedure was successful. The mother was still on bed rest. Uh, I remember I went away that summer to Eretz Yisrael. I had, uh, you know, I, I had my campers in front of me, and we would give a dvar tefillah every day. We would talk a little bit, and at the end, I quoted a line from Rabbi Nachman of Breslov, uh, who says in in, uh, in Sichos Ran. In Sichos Ran, Rabbi Nachman says something to the effect of Gama Ma'oro Tovot of Sharla Gitfilim. One line, almost sarcastic. On good news, on good news, it's also allowed to say Tehillim. I said, we just got word today that this family welcomed a beautiful baby boy and girl. 
So I said, now we're going to go say Tehillim. I said, maybe in your life you've never said Tehillim thanking Hashem for something. We're always used to saying Tehillim when we're begging Hashem, right? And Lola, and we should never be in that position. But we said, Mismar Latoda. Thank you, Hashem. Right? We had this, what an incredible salvation. Or, or, or Rav Goran describes uh, after... Rivgoran describes after the capturing of the Kotal Amaravi in 1967, Rivgoran describes an impromptu prayer service at the newly captured Kotal Wall Plaza. It wasn't a plaza. Um, and they said to Hillam, that's after blowing the shofar, they said to Hillam, thank Takadosh Baruch Hu. So it, I think it's a failure of, 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 of educators, myself, it's a failure that, and, and rabbis, it's a failure that to Hillam, for, for the vast majority of people, is only something we say when things are not going well. Tehillim are for every single situation. When things are not going well, when things are going well, when things are going, just going, when, when we don't feel things are going at all. Tehillim are available to us. The words and language of Tehillim are also not just confined to those two shir amalot that we know or what we know from Halo. But if you, if you read through Tehillim, if you go through all of it, you will find colorful, and this is maybe what I mean by a tool, you'll find, you'll find perfect language. Perfect language to describe every single tenuah. I mean this. Every single tenuah, every single gesture, every single movement, every single thought that the religiously engaged individual goes through in a life of religious engagement and dialogue with God. I, I truly believe that David HaMelech was able to find, uh, through his Ruach HaKodesh, was able to find the perfect formula for how it is that we address God, the words that we need to address God. Right? So when, so when we sing, for example, right? if, if you're like, you're... Um, is Chabad Nigin, right? You say, you know, it's some lokim, right? My soul, my, my soul pines for you, God, right? What, what does it mean for us? It's sometimes embarrassing to use love language like that when we talk about God. But in Tehillim, we find expression in these words. And this is why it became, this is why the distilled version that comes down to us that we encounter in our daily experiences using Tehillim in these purposes and using Tehillim for these reasons. But also I want a goal of our share to be that Tehillim are, access, are accessible for all these reasons. And, and, and to get back to Tefillah, which is, Shir is not necessarily about tefillah, but tefillah is in a sense synonymous with tefillah, and tefillah is synonymous with tefillah, is that, uh, is, that, is that it's not, I like to use a line from Srugim, you guys know the, the show Srugim, so, so you could think of a, a number of instances throughout recent Jewish history where if a tefillah was going to be answered, where if a prayer was going to be answered, it would be this one, right? So I'll give two examples, right? Terrible examples. And the first example, Nachshon Waxman was kidnapped, right? Nachshon Waxman was kidnapped. 75,000 people gathered together at the Kotel to daven. People light candles for the first time around the country. His mother gets on the news and pleads for it. And Nachshon Waxman is killed in the, in the, in the mission the next day to go ahead and rescue him, along, along with the, the officer of the unit that went to go ahead and to save him. What happened? Right? Is, is God trying to push us away? Right, that's one. Remember what his mother said? I remember. I remember his mother said uh, uh, one of my rabbis uh, was the one who walked up to their house. I believe they lived in Harnov or something. Walked up to their house and 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 uh, and told them. And uh, Nachshon's father, uh, they they expressed. And I think this was a joint. They said, "You yeah, sometimes did Hashem answer? Sometimes Hashem says no." Right? That's the most difficult religious gesture to make is to submit ourselves to God's will when things don't go well. And that's also the highest religious right, gesture. Right? It's the highest thing. So that's one example. Another example, and this is where the Srugim example comes from. Go look, to, not tonight, go on Tishabov, go look at the Tfilos, go look at the, the prayers and, and the Tehillim that were sung. 
in the main shul in Veda Kalim before the evacuation of Gush Katif, right? So there's a video, if you type in those words along with the women's prayer, right? Because it was, it, was it was only women and, and girls in, in that shul at the time. And it was the imminent destruction of these Jewish communities, uh, the imminent destruction of, of what, I, what I think was was as close as we've come to the, to the mimush, to the, the actualization of the Zionist dream in our days, and it was gone. It was taken away. And, and you watch them as they recognize as they're being taken out, and they recognize their tefillot are not answered. So in the Srugim episode, a lot later, uh, so one of the girls is telling her older cousin or something, it's been a long time, she's saying, I'm leaving, uh, you know, uh, the equivalent of tossing off the kippah. Right, I'm leaving. Uh, we're leaving. I'm, I'm leaving. Dati, dati, I don't want to be Dati anymore. They're leaving the Gaza Strip. Are you that, yeah, the disengagement from the Gaza Strip. So, so she says to her cousin in this poignant scene. She says, "I'm leaving. I don't want to be part of this anymore." So her cousin says to her, her "Cousin's older and and long time not religious." Her cousin's her cousin says, "Sir, why?" She said, "Don't you didn't you see how we davened at Gush Katif? Didn't you see how we davened? We said to him." Right? We prayed to Hashem with all of our hearts and souls. Nobody could say we didn't put our all into it, and the answer was no. So her cousin, the non-religious cousin, turns and looks at her, or her aunt, or whatever, turns to her and says, in Hebrew, says, Mat shelokim right? You think God's an ATM? You put in tefillah and you take out Yeshuot? So it's almost painful to say, but that's, that's a, a, rather, a, a rather low level, rather childish way of seeing things. Tefillah is not that. All of us know that we've davened for things and we've begged Hashem for things. We promised we'd be good and we made all kinds of deals and we made all kinds of, uh, of promises and didn't happen the way that we wanted it to happen. Our tefillahs were left unanswered the way that we wanted to answer. So a, a rabbi could give you all kinds of different responses. Maybe the answer you were seeking was the wrong answer. Maybe a Kaddish Baruch Hu on a longer timeline will give you the answer. Bottom line is that tefillah and tehillim and all this stuff isn't necessarily about looking for an external answer. It's about finding something within ourselves. Not in a cheap, not in a cliche kind of way, but it's reflexive. Anybody will tell you that the word lehit palel means something is being done to us when we do this. Something is happening to us when we're saying tehillim and when we're davening. And by understanding the words and, and by understanding what we're talking about with tehillim. And, and, and I hope you'll find, as I found, that as we go through Tehillim, as we, as we learn the general concept of Tehillim, and we go into the individual Psalms, I think that you'll, you'll be surprised, as I was to find, that there's so much about Tehillim that we don't know. There's so much about Tehillim that, that, that we just say every single day as part of our Tehillot, and we're not even sure exactly what we're saying. Right? That's, even, that's a low level. But, uh, but more than that, part of under, our understanding will go towards, and that's why I said that this, these year are purpose-driven, will go towards understanding what, how to use this tool and, and what, what we can reasonably expect from it every single time, in addition to hopefully getting our answers. We should all get the answers that we want. So that's, that's what I mean by saying it. Okay. Um, any questions at this point? Yeah. No, Haile. What I was going to say, though, but as you said, as you said, though, Tehillim it seems to be relegated to this special bakasha, to the special role that tefillah, the general tefillah, doesn't. Because you don't say Shema because you want, most people won't say Shema because they want, you know, something from Hashem. Mm-hmm. It's part of the daily routine. It's their, their exclaim, there are so many uh, lahodot, right, that as sort of thanking God rather than asking. But it seems like Tehillim has this special role, right? Um, and that I think makes it so much harder that when you 
Dobbin to heal him, and your prayers don't get answered. Uh, absolutely. I, I can, and I also can certainly sense that. I, I, I do want to make one small tikkun is that the Tehillim themselves don't necessarily contain Tehillot. The Tehillim themselves, uh, I would say, if you were looking for the broadest possible rubric for what exactly Tehillim are, is that they're called by Chazal, they're called by our sages, uh, Shvach. They're all praise. Now, there's subcategories of praise and what that praise looks like, but the Tehillim themselves don't really contain supplication. In our Shmona Esrei, we frame it as supplication. We'll say we're saying these Tehillim for something, or we're saying Tehillim in honor, or we're saying Tehillim in memory we'll frame it like that and we'll use the tool of Tehillim like that. But there's other places in our daily prayers which are far more obviously uh, supplication and bakasha, as we call it. Uh, for example, in Shemona Esri. Shemona Esri contains explicit bakashot from HaKadosh Baruch Hu after we finish going ahead and giving praise. And, 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 and part of that is also an exposure to, to more types of Tehillim. Uh, I think we'll hopefully... Uh, drive home this idea. So that's a problem in framing, I think, not necessarily an issue in Tehillim itself, but I think that you'll also find that as we, as we take a look at, at the various forms of Tehillim, that we'll find that they operate in, in such, you know, Tehillim is such a gvan, it's such an assortment of different structures and different topics and different, uh, and different subject matter that they gesture to, that to go ahead and to frame them as something that we only use when we're requesting something, which is, I, I admit, and I fully, I, I fully agree, which is how, how they're generally framed with us. Uh, hopefully part of what that does is that the more that we know about it, it allows us, when we're using it in the framework of supplication, to be, to be used more effectively. Okay, first source. Yeah, hi, sorry. King, King I held David you up for a while. King Solomon, they wrote Psalms. Oh, no, no, hold on, hold on. We gotta, we're going to find out who wrote Psalms. Oh, well, it's Tehillim. It's actually ten people. Okay, yeah. yes, many. Tehillim, who wrote the Tehillim? So, so we'll, we'll get to that. That's going to be our. Uh, that's going to be our third and fourth source. Third, fourth, and fifth sources tonight. Okay. Uh, maybe not tonight. Uh, I see that we're rapidly, uh, rapidly going to be running out of time. Um, but uh, and and I, I did structure these shirim. Uh, I one of the feedback that I received, and you guys will correct me if I'm wrong, is that an hour sometimes uh, is a little bit too long. So so we're gonna we'll put a stop at eight thirty, and hopefully, uh, if people uh, feedback is always welcome. I'm a rabbi. I live for feedback. Um, that's uh, but let's let's take a look. We're gonna answer that question. If not tonight, then certainly uh, next week as well. Um, the uh, hi. The, um, the first source. And this comes from the Gemara in Psachim, Daf Kuf Yud Zayin, uh, folio 117a. And you can follow along in the translation right on the side. Many thanks to Safaria, uh, safaria.org for, for the translations. The most rare, it's fantastic stuff. I, I, I would never, uh, I'd never, I also want to just say in terms of books that I'm using, primary books that I'm using, uh, the first is uh, the Dat Mikra uh, Tanakh. Um, I, I would say one of the best editions of Tanakh. It has uh, about a hundred page introduction to Tehillim, drawing off of some contemporary scholarship as well. Uh, I'm using the Chelkat Yoshua Tehillim. This is my own personal Tehillim, which ha- contains a long introduction in Perush and commentary as well. And then recently I made a purchase of, uh, of this Sefer Tehillim Yeshua's Essa, which comes from a rabbi that uh, I would say I consider one of my, one of my rabbis, Rav, uh, the Gaon Rav Yaakov Meir Shechter uh, of Yerushalayim, one of the great Breslov leaders in Mashpiim, as we call it nowadays. Uh, so they just came out with, uh, with this volume, which contains essays that he wrote on Tehillim, and also his commentary we'll be drawing off of uh, these two, uh, the Chalkas Yoshua, the Biala, and, uh, and Rav Yaakov Meir Shechter's Perishan Tehillim extensively, 
once we get to the individual psalms. Uh, the shir tonight is mostly based off of, and, and I neglect to mention one other book. Um, he's a member of our community, Ruben Ibrahimov. Torah man, he's, oh, yeah. yeah, so Ruben Ibrahimov uh, really, I, I have to take my, take my hat off. Uh, he did a labor of love, um, a real labor of love. The amount of effort that's put into it is just incredible. Uh, his, when I taught his daughter, she gave me a copy. It's called um, From Your Mouth to God's Ears. And, uh, and it's, it's a, a full uh, translation and exposition. If you're looking for understanding Tilim fully in English, uh, I highly, highly recommend. He did an amazing job with it. Um, so that's available, I, I guess, on Amazon, uh, or I have a copy if people want to take my copy when the when these shirim are done uh, after I'm done using it. So that's where I'm drawing off of. First source: Amr of Yeshua ben Levi. Ba'asara ma'amarot shel shvach ne'emar sefer Tilim. Sefer Tilim was said or was uttered and expressed by 10 expressions of praise. That's why I said before that if you're looking for a general rubric for understanding Tilim, the general way to understand Tilim is by understanding it as praise first and foremost. David HaMelech and the, his co-authors of Tilim were praising HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And what are these 10, uh, 10, 10 words or 10 expressions of praise? We're not going to translate all of them right now uh, because that's part of what the shir is about. And all, many of these words are unique, uh, uh, sui generis in all of Tanakh. The first is Binitsuach, Binigun, Bimaskil, Bimizmor, Bishir, Beashre, Bitehila, Bitefila, Behoda, Behallelujah, and Gadomikula and Hallelujah. So some of these might be familiar with, with us because Ashre we say every day. For example, did you know that Ashrei uh, is considered by the commentators to indicate that the psalm was, ex- was, was especially important to David HaMelech, especially close and personal to David HaMelech? Those psalms begin with Ashrei. Others add that, that the words that hallelujah at the end of psalms are considered especially, also indicates that this psalm was especially important to David HaMelech. Uh, Shir, or Mizmor, or Mizmor Shir, so we're familiar, we sing that as well, and you'll see in, in the art school, you'll see in the Korah, and you'll see it's translated as a psalm, comma, a song to David. Mm-hmm. Now, what does that mean? Well, it's going to be what we're going to have to figure out. Nitzuach, Nitzuach comes from the word Netzach, which means victory, or uh, eternity, or everlasting. Nigun, so, what's that? Also conduct. Uh, for the conductor. Right. So we're gonna, we're gonna touch upon. I keep on saying we're gonna, but uh, there's a lot to chew, there's a lot to to chew off here and to and and to deal with. Nigun we've heard of just as a preliminary translation. Nigun is a song, right? You may have somebody say, let's play a nigun, or you know they'll have the Mashiach nigun, or they'll have uh, you know they'll have all kinds of different nigunim, uh, a song or a, a tune. Maskil, maskil is interesting. Maskil seems to be, uh, I would almost say. That maskil is like spoken word. Maskil seems to be like an introductory note. Maskil seems to be, um, it's found in Divrei Ayamim, uh, with the book of Chronicles 2. It says, uh, it says, Halevim Hamaskilim Seichel Tov Hashem. Describes Levim, the Levites that sang in the Beit HaMikdash, as the way that they would sing sometimes would be with Seichel Tov Hashem. Seichel means uh, logic, wisdom, understanding. Um, so, how that actually plays into song will be something that we need to go ahead and understand, but we know that that's described as one of the ways that the Levium sang in the Beis HaMikdash. Shir, uh, a song, Mizmor, a psalm, Ashrei, a praiseworthy, right? Ashrei Yoshve Beisecha, praiseworthy are those who dwell in God's house. But uh, Tehillah, with uh, Tehillah is uh, uh, praise, and Tefillah, 
tefillah's prayer and hoda is thanks, hallelujah, is uh, special because we say, Gadamikulan hallelujah. Hallelujah is the greatest of all the ten expressions of praise that David Amelech used in the book of Psalms. Hallelujah, Shekol El Shem Shvach Bebas Achas. Hallelujah has the unique distinction. I really, I, I actually should ask a postic whether or not I could say hallelujah or it should be hallelujah because it contains the name of God. And it contains an expression of praise together, portmanteau of both those words. That's considered the most significant of the expressions of praise that's used in Tehillim. Uh, maybe we'll do one more source before we finish tonight. Um, uh, uh, maybe before that, I want to talk a little bit about the structure of Tehillim. So we mentioned the five books of Tehillim. We're probably going to touch upon that source, a, 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 a medrash in, 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 uh, in Medrash Socher Tovan Tehillim, which talks about the significance of the five books of Tehillim. Um, for most Tehillim, you will find that there is a ketovet, that there is an opening phrase. Uh, the opening phrase tells us what kind of a mizmor it is, almost like a, a koteret, almost like a headline. The headline of the Tehillim, which tells us what kind of a mizmor it is, what kind of a song it is, who's the author, who's singing it, um, how to sing it, what occasion it's sung on. So uh, in, in all of Sefer Tehillim, only 34 out of 150 psalms do not have a koteret, do not have this introductory kind of words using these different words, Mizmor Shir, Lamanatseach, Lamanatseach Maskil, Mizmor Lidavid, all those different expressions that we use in our Tehillim, only 34 do not have it. And, uh, and we've identified about 60 different formulas, 60 different ways in which these introductory words, these Kotavot, are used uh, to introduce various different psalms. 60 different versions of that. Lidavid is the most common. It's used in the introduction to about 10 different psalms. We have also words in Tehillim, as we mentioned, that are unique, don't appear anywhere else. For example, Mizmor and Michtam do not appear anywhere else in Tanakh except for the book of Psalms. Michtam uh, David Shamareni El Ki Bach, one of the very first, uh, also in Tikkun Klali. Uh, guide me, I, I've been thinking about this one a, a lot from Tikkun Klali. Michtam uh, David Shamareni El Ki Bach, and then David Amalek says, uh, he says, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Al Titen Chasid Shachas, right? Don't allow your pious ones to see destruction, right? Uh, uh, I, I don't know if I'll get in trouble. Like I read an article, uh, the New York, New York uh, Magazine, not New York, New York Magazine, dedicated a whole issue to climate change and everything, and uh, and it talked about uh, it talked about the whole premise of the articles that's already underway and talked about uh, places outside of America where, where people are already feeling the effects. Terrifying, really abject terror. I read the article and I was up at night and I remember like, what do I do with how depressing and how demoralizing and how hopeless this article is? Uh, so I went ahead and I said this, this mizmor. I said, Shamreini el ki chasisi bacha. Guard me Hashem because I'm, the only person I have to find is my, uh, t- the only place that I could run off to is to your embrace. And please do not let your pious person. I try and keep the mitzvahs. So I think think of myself sometimes as a good Jew. Please don't let me. Uh, please don't let me see a world of destruction. Uh, right? David Amelch found expressions that you put yourself into into these words, uh, and you could do it at, at at that time, or you could go ahead and you could be on top of a mountain, and you could be on top of a mountain. I was talking. I remember to Bernie Zweig as he was preparing for his climb of Kilimanjaro, uh, and I was. What's that? No, my daughter is there now. In Kilimanjaro now. So I said, Bernie, so he was asking me what, what kind of spiritual preparation. Uh, and I, I, he, I know he's okay with this because I mentioned in Shul uh, afterwards. And I said, you know, when you get up to the top of the mountain, when you summit, so you say, you, say, you know, they have right? Torah with them. 
They have a Torah? Amazing. That's pretty cool. Thanks for inviting me. <laughs> Thanks for inviting me. But, but these words are meant to find expression for, right, uh, right uh, that, that, we see, uh, that we see amazing things in Hashem's world, we see depressing things in Hashem's world, and everything in between, and, and we find those words, we find those expressions in David HaMelech's Tehillim. Um, uh, some of the other words in Tehillim are also uh, unique, are also don't appear anywhere else. For example, the word shiga, Shigayon, uh, which is notoriously difficult to translate. We find also in Chavakuk Tefillah Chavakuk Al Shigyonos, which is connected to mistakes or to errors. What exactly that means will, will happen when we take a look at the word Shigayon in situ as we take a look at some of the Mizmore Tehillim that use it. Um, we also find the word maskil is unique in Tehillim. Uh, it's found in Divrei Ayamim, as we said. Uh, the word Lamanatzech as well is also found uh, in uh, Sefer Chavakuk. Uh, Lamanatzech Lashminis. We talked about that as it's for sure a musical notation, something that somebody was meant to use. Uh, last source that we'll do right now. Tanya. Haya Rabbi Meir Omer. Source number two. Rabbi Meir said, Kol tishbachot ha'amurot b'sefer Tehillim. All of the praises that were said in Sefer Tehillim, Kulan David Amran. All of them were said by David Amel. So if you're looking who the author of Tehillim is, the author or the, or the person responsible for Tehillim, I'll put it this way. What? Right, uh, let me find a better word. The person who gives us Tehillim. Right, that was supposed to be the last source tonight. I highlighted Nasalahan David from the Medrash Socher Tov. Nasalahan David, Sefer Tehillim. All of Tehillim was given to us by David. We will see that there are 10 other authors, 10 other people involved. It does seem to at least be over here, well, nine besides David HaMelech, uh, that they were all said by David. If we're looking for a figure with which to associate Tehillim with, it's associated with David HaMelech. David HaMelech was the one that wrote them. As we said at the end of Tehillim, Ayin Beis, Kapitel Ayin Beis, Pasach Chaf, the last Pasach in that Kapitel, Kalut Philos David Ben Yishai. It says at the end of that capital, Ayin Bey, Psalm 72, says this is the end, so ends the, the, the Tfilos, the prayers of David Ben Yishai. Now, that happens to be the end of the second book of Tehillim. That's how we know that the books are divided. There's Pirkei Bracha, special Psukim uh, that appear at the end of it, like this, the end of the Tfilot to David Ben Yishai. But for his part, and this will leave you with tonight, Rabbi Meir says, Al-Tikri Kalu, don't say they end. Don't read it that these are the end, or so finishes the Tefillot to Dove and Yishai, Ella Kol Elu, using the rabbinic uh, interpretive gesture of going ahead and splitting a word by its cognate. So we say, all of these are the Psalms of David Amelch. Now we will talk about more of the authors and their significance. B'nai Korach, Haman, Eitan Ezrahi, Shlomo HaMelech, Tefillah LeMoshe, Moshe Rabbeinu. We'll talk about, uh, who else? Uh, the, the sons of Korach. Uh, we'll talk about Asaf, Yedusun, all these unique figures. Who are they? Why do they appear in Tehillim? What, what is their authorship to Tehillim mean? More of that to come in our next installment next week, Amir Tzashem. Thank you all so much for coming. Um, I'm looking forward to really some...